Hello, and welcome to episode 35 of Modulation. This is a music discovery podcast. Each fortnight, we delve into the latest music releases and handpick our favorites to recommend and discuss. On this episode, we'll be discussing Orteca's new live album, AE Live London B, the new album from Blutas Nord, Disharmonium Nahab, Mi O Miriarama's latest project, Iris, and the new album from Spanish love songs, No Joy. You may wish to listen to the albums yourselves before hearing us talk about them, in which case you can find a full list on our website at www.modular.io. My name's Harry, and I'm joined on the mic by Bound. Hello. Nice to be back after, uh, yeah, I think it's only been like three or four this, weeks since the this last This is the one, shortest, so. yeah, the shortest <laughs> gap between. <laughs> it's pretty rare we get them in that quick, but you know, we're, we're working yeah. on it. Um, and I'm glad too, because uh, this week of albums has been kind of cracked. Oh, yeah. um, I really didn't want to have to bring in any of the September albums uh, yeah. into this episode, because basically uh, September the 1st is already like four albums that would be like main tier for me. Well, yeah, and um, September 8th is also stacked. I don't know if you've seen any of that stuff. But... Uh, I, I've not, no. I'll uh, I'll have a little look. But, um, yeah. Yeah, we there's, usually there's... do a looking forward to section at the end anyways, so I'll mention a yeah, couple oh, of those. The new Olivia Rodrigo is going to probably knock yeah. out uh, Jeff Rosenstock, I reckon. So. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess we can probably jump straight into it with some shout outs. Um, yeah. So it's been a little while since we've seen a DJ Sabrina album. And so uh, I'm quite happy to shout out the new DJ Sabrina and the teen... DJ Sabrina, the teenage DJ. That's a mouthful. I'm proud uh, of you. Destiny. Um, so, I, I mean, when I say it's been quite a long time since the last album, we're talking like <laughs> August 2022 when we had Bewitched. Um, I wasn't a massive fan of Bewitched. I thought it was fine. Felt a bit like a B-Sides project. Whereas all the, the, the releases in 2020 and 2021, like sort of my favorite house releases ever. And uh, I think this is back up to form with uh, the sort of quality that we, we came to expect from those uh, mid-era DJ Sabrina releases. Um, so yeah, really, really excited about this one. Uh, it's just like, I don't know, there's something so heartwarming about this music. I can't, like, I can't get enough of it. Yeah, I, I didn't listen to this because it is four hours long. Um <laughs> <laughs> I I was not able to uh <laughs> not able to swing that this week. But yeah, that's um, been <laughs> Yeah, I have heard that this is one of her best. I've heard people say that it is her best. Um I have only heard the album Bewitched from last year, which mm -hmm. you said you didn't like that much. I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Oh, um nice. and was looking forward to checking out other stuff and then did not. So <laughs> So there you go. Um, yeah, it's 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 a length thing for me. I'm I'm scared. I'm a little baby. That's fair. I mean, like <laughs> it has the um the uh the the only time I've ever really felt the the longevity of a the the duration of a project uh, really matter is with some of the Death Dynamic Shroud stuff, like in particular mm. um, Derelict Mecha Tower, where there's something about track 80 four hours in and it like <laughs> it only hits it can only hit in the way it does if you've heard four hours of of derelict megatar well and no I, I totally understand <laughs> like i get it oh, i just yeah, can't yeah. <laughs> like I no, no 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 i mean it's like like same, same with the Orteca NTS sessions. I had to like put aside an entire weekend to, to, or I was like, no one's going to distract me for one weekend. So yeah. this is, it's my time to listen to this. And, um, the, the tracks at the end of this without crying, without hiding and slow down, I think are like some of the best, uh, stuff she's ever put out. So yeah, super cool. Hell yeah. 
Um, my first shout out, I saw you listen to this today and liked it, which is mm-hmm. good. The new Zach Bryan self-titled album. Uh, this Zach Bryan has got to be like the the best in mainstream country right now. Like I'm talking like mainstream, mainstream. Like he had his song last year, something in the orange, which is I think a fantastic song. I think it hit like number 10 on the billboard 100 and like stayed there for a while. Like this is, Mm -hmm. he's huge. Um, And I think this new record is, I, I just think it's phenomenal. Like I, I, everything about it. I just love the, his his personality on record here it's it's so distinct he's got a really nice voice um the lyrics are really powerful i only i only got to listen to it once but even so there are there are moments on here that i i still remember especially there's a track in the back half with casey musgraves and the Mm -hmm. the dynamics between their two voices it just brings out the best in both of them um this is the only good thing I've ever heard the Lumineers involved with. <laughs> um, and I thought it was actually great. Like they, I thought they actually lent a lot to this, to the album. Um, what did, what did you think? Cause I saw you seem to enjoy uh, this. I, I absolutely love this. Um, so I, first of all, I know nothing about, I mean, we established last episode that I know nothing about Americana or country. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I saw you recommend it. I saw it was like, People seemed pretty into it on like rate your music and stuff like that. So I gave it a listen. Um, the web app for Spotify doesn't show uh, like play count. Mm. So I, I just listened to this. I was like, oh, I, like, I really, really like this. Um, I think the writing is great. I think the instrumental stuff is fantastic. I love his voice. I was really into it. And then I opened it on Spotify <laughs> Windows. And I was like, wait, all these songs have like 10 million listens. Like, yeah, no, this it's is huge. Seriously mainstream stuff. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting to. I, get, I should have caught on when I saw the Luminaires feature. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was so, so, so good. Uh, so to hear that it's, you know, sort of currently a bit of a... Um, a bit of a mainstream mainstay is really impressive because usually <laughs> I, I, I mean like country gets a bit of a bad reputation with some of the more mainstream stuff. Uh, and that to me was kind of what like a lot of the mainstream stuff was like, like you, obviously you can dig deeper and find good, find good music mm-hmm. out there. But uh, yeah, to see this doing really well, is really cool. Um, this will absolutely be on rotation for me for, uh, for the next few weeks at the very yeah. least. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, On to another sort of mainstream breaking album. Um, I want to talk about, I I don't know what this album is called. It's like, it's like (laughs) a circle with, it's like two semicircles put together, but it's not like a circle. It's like an oval. I Uh, read it as CD. (laughs) I didn't even look at it. I was just like, that's CD. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So this is the new album by Triple S um, slash Loveolution. Uh, K-pop, I, K-pop's a little bit weird, but this is a K-pop <laughs> release. Um, it's an EP from this group. Uh, I knew nothing about them and I put it on while I was driving home from Arctangent one night. I was tired and I just like had the absolute greatest vibe going in the car on the way back. I had so much fun listening to this. Um, yeah, I know nothing about this band. I think that I get the impression they're pretty new on the scene. Um, but yeah, I am looking forward to seeing more from this group because I think they're fantastic. Yeah. I forgot to listen to this, but I, before coming on here, I threw on the track girls capitalism. That yeah, shit yeah, yeah. fucks. Yeah, <laughs> that so shit good. goes hard. I am excited <laughs> to listen to this. Um, and I just, I like the fact that K-pop bands are doing the whole, 
So this is the second time I've seen a full album music video where the band are just kind of vibing. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so obviously, yeah, we talked about one of these last week, but I think it works really well here as well. Like it's not, it's high production in the sense that, you know, they've done all the outfits and lighting and stage design, but then they're just like chilling out and having a nice time listening to the album. So yeah, I, I think it's great. Yeah. All right. I want to shout out the new Blank Banshee album, 4D. Um, I, I'm not like crazy familiar with Blank Banshee. I loved uh, the first record, Zero, um, but mm-hmm. fell off pretty much entirely after that. Um, this is kind of insane. Um, this is nothing like what I what I heard on Zero and what I've heard in like little snippets in between. This is like he's gone full IDM. There's some like really really crazy post-industrial stuff and just like harsh elements that I did not get in anything that I've heard from him before. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm jealous of my friend who's getting to see him live next month. Um, (laughs) That would be sick. Uh, There was something else I was going to say. What, what do you, uh, Um, did you, did you listen to this or no? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did get around to this. Uh, I thought it was really cool. I really like the more post-industrial leanings. Um, I similarly had listened to Zero and and also One in the past. And I was like, this is cool. It's kind of not for me, but um, a friend of mine's really into uh, this music and suggested I go give this one a look, even though I hadn't enjoyed the others as much. And I thought this was great. Um, one of the better IDM releases I've heard this year. Uh, I will probably, I sort of, pre-rated it <laughs> just so i had an idea of what i was talking about today but i think it's going to take um a lot more time for this to properly sort of settle with me uh mm-hmm. to, to see how i how i sort of fully feel about it but um yeah for the most part i, I was very very impressed with this yeah i i remembered what i was going to say it's that mm-hmm. uh um despite being like a lot more di- like a lot more idm a lot more post industrial this is still very clearly a blank banshee album in sound like in the types of of samples that are being used it's still very vapory that kind of thing um and so i think that gives it a really unique a unique identity amongst other like idm stuff right now mm yeah 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 that's that's a really good point um so next album for me is the new uh release from the band Horrendous. Yeah. Ontological Mysterium. Uh I d- I didn't know a huge amount about this band. I'd heard Idol. I thought it was pretty good. Um I sort of enjoyed it at the very least, uh, but it wasn't quite fully fleshed out for me. And I'm always a little bit hesitant when I see the uh the genre progressive metal. Um <laughs> which can, can be very hit or miss. Uh, there's some great stuff. There's some absolute trash out there. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought this was like one of the best uh, progressive leaning metal albums I've ever heard. Um, the fact that it sort of is more centralized within death metal and thrash, some some bits of thrash, uh, I think did a lot for me. And then obviously the prog side of things kind of... Um, enhance that a little bit but yeah i thought it was fantastic i think this is fucking phenomenal um i loved this i i loved uh idol i've got that one on vinyl i i remember that when that came out i was like Mm -hmm. this is one of the best it it it's a little progressive but like not nearly as much as this that that to me was a lot more kind of meat and potatoes death metal than this this is going in some really 
interesting and crazy directions for the band, especially like with some of the more like thrash elements. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is way faster. This is way more aggressive than their previous material. And I also think the progressive elements just work a lot better to me. Um, because like you said, they're so rooted in death metal still. This isn't like fucking wankery for the sake of it. Like they're the, the technicality is still for lack of a better, like, term like it's still in the low end they're not going crazy high like Mm -hmm. sweep picking all that shit like they're it's it is technical and progressive death metal not progress progressive metal and a death metal you know yeah 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 i thought this was great i think this is one of my favorite metal albums of the year so far yeah i uh i would fully agree um there's been, and, and like in a year that's had, I feel like this year has been so stacked for metal in general. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, for this to sort of stand out is, is pretty impressive. Yeah. All right. I'm going to shout out the new Hail the Sun album, Divine Intertention. I don't have like too, too much to say about it. I got into this band this month and then found out they were releasing an album the next day. So I was like, <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's. It's Swancore. It's very like Dance Gavin Dance stuff, which is very much like a you like it or you don't like it thing. Um, I didn't expect to like it, but I really do. Um, Very high pitched, whiny vocals, crazy technical guitar wankery. Like I was just saying, I don't even know why this hits, but it hits. (laughs) I like it. Um. Yeah, so I first of all, I'd never heard of the term swancore, so that was uh, that was an interesting one. My, my understanding is it's basically just sascore for Mafrock. Um, yeah, kind of. Uh, so yeah, that that was that's a fun genre tag to learn. Um, <laughs> I didn't love this, but there were a lot of things about it I could really appreciate. So. Um, basically every, everything other than the vocals I, I was quite into. And then I just, I just couldn't connect with the vocal style. Um, that's think, 100% fair. And that's also yeah, like yeah, yeah. the thing for everyone. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you, exactly. You can, or you can't. And it's, <laughs> yeah. So if someone told me like, oh, I absolutely love this, this album. It's going to be in my top 10 for this year. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, I could totally see that. But, uh, <laughs> I, I sort of, yeah, I, I, I didn't quite, um, I didn't quite feel it as much as some other people. That's fair. Uh, on the other hand, uh, it's time to get into a, <laughs> a high, high core classic. Um, so there's a new DJ mix released by, uh, the artist Audrey called Become Difficult to Communicate with. Uh, people who have listened to this podcast for a while will know about my love for the music of this artist. Uh, and this is obsession even. Yeah. I would, I would go as far as obsession. I, I absolutely love Audrey's music. Um, and this is another really interesting release. So it is a glitch, uh, Sound collage project um, that is sampling various other projects over a sort of 15, 15, 16 minute runtime. Oh, it's 15 exactly. Um, it is not that long. I think it's actually a pretty good entry level Audrey project to, to sort of get a feel for the kind of textures um, and kind of production process that they use. Okay. Uh, I think this is really, really good. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you get a chance to listen to this one at all? No, I've still not taken the Audrey pill, but the okay, fact that okay. you're saying this is a good entry point, 
you know um, it's just um it's short and like very varied in just 15 minutes you get a really wide range of different uh of different sort oh i didn't realize it was that short okay because i was i was looking the other day when i saw you put this like um when you put this as one of your one of your shout outs how are mm-hmm. all of the this person is releasing like an album a month at like bare minimum how are yeah. they all an hour long? Like, like what is... There are, there are already wait, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 releases this year. So two year, a month. <laughs> plus, but that, that doesn't include mixtapes or EPs or like long singles or DJ mixes. So <laughs> it's probably closer to about 25 releases, I'd guess. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of music. Um, so we had a chat with uh octavia a while back which didn't end up getting released on the channel but um she was talking about how like in fact i i, don't, I think this might have just been on one of the other but basically um in one of the is octavia like, audrey uh no octavia is uh Oct- octomubius schefner okay. uh, but they but they also collaborate a lot they're, they're sort okay. of in some of the same circles um and I think in the description, it was, she released like a four hour album and was like, yeah, I made this in an afternoon with a friend. Uh, we were just kind of jamming and, and this is what we released. And I, I, listen, I remember listening to it and being like, this is one of the best sound collage pieces I've ever heard in my life. Like <laughs> you just sort of shit it out. And it just, it just appears fully formed. And, uh, Audrey's kind of the same, I think, where like can just mess about with sounds and then release it. And I'm like, no, this is actually genius. Um, obviously, some of them, like, especially some of the more slow core focused ones, I think take a bit longer to brew. But, like, yeah, to, to get for a project, to be like, I'm going to spend a week making an album and release it, and it's just not trash. I think it's like, remarkable. yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and then I so guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think, I guess finally, um, not only kind of a new album. Um, I want to shout out Neil Young somehow finally released Chrome Dreams, which if you're not in the know, and I assume you are not in the know. um, No, no, no. This was an album that was recorded around like, it was recorded over a while, but like finished recording around like 1977, and he just didn't drop it. Um, Mm. It's been floating around as like a, a rare bootleg for ages, forever, basically. Um, and he just kind of put it out, um, which is insane. Like, <laughs> like for an artist of this caliber to just like make such a legendary bootleg, just official, just like, yeah, it's out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's wild. And more than that, it's wild that it is this fucking good. Like this is, this is top tier Neil Young stuff here. All of these songs or most of them at least have been released in some other form since just like other recordings or live or that kind of thing. Um, but it's wild to hear them in this original form. Um, this is my favorite recording of Pocahontas, which is one of his like classic songs, like one of his biggest, um, biggest things, uh, like a hurricane has a ridiculous, like five minute guitar solo. That is just crazy. Did you, I assume you didn't, did you, did you give this a look? No, this is the only one I didn't hear. Yeah. Uh, most mostly because um, of the whole moving off of Spotify thing uh, that he talked about. I was like, I don't have time to go and buy this <laughs> and download it. I don't have time to go and find some torrents or, or something. So uh, yeah, uh, this is absolutely on my list. Um, it looks really interesting. Uh, 
I just I don't think I've ever listened to a Neil Young album. Just in, it's just like what it's another one of those those blind spots for me. Um, so Honestly, I it wouldn't might even be the time to do it. I would say this would be a decent starting point because it's kind okay. of a greatest hits album. Like all of these songs are massive after the fact. This is just like where they originally were supposed to be. Right, got you, got you. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, I, I think this is probably the one I'll I'll give as a uh, as a first try, and uh, yeah. we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, nice. Okay. Well, yeah, in which we case, that yeah, that, that that was the easy bit. Now we're going to talk about <laughs> some absolutely uh, monster releases. Oh, um, God. Let's let's talk about the biggest in size uh, release of the year. Uh, we're going to talk about the. Orteca AE Live 2022 uh, suite. So Orteca tend to release uh, their live shows in batches. So mm-hmm. I believe they had a 2014 uh, live show drop, which they dropped in 2015. And then they had a 20... Oh, yeah. So I um, just, just looked them up. So they released uh, about 10 live recordings in 2015, another 10 in 2019, maybe even more. She looks like closer to 20. And then uh, another batch in 2020. And so it's been a couple of years since the last batch of live albums and uh, they finally dropped. So uh, we had a teaser release, which was the Helsinki live show, um, which was last year. And then we've had the rest of the the, the sort of live sets from 2022, which would be uh, Athens, Bergen, London, A, London, B, uh, Milan, and then Turin. And uh, as a... Big or tech and nerd, I was extremely excited to um, to to get my hands on this. So before we dive into it a little bit, what's what's your kind of experience listening to Orteca? You are you are you Orteca uh, pilled, or have you sort of listened to the classics? I I love what I have heard, but I'm I've been pretty intimidated to really give them the dive. <laughs> there's mm. there's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, um, so th- I think this is the artist I've heard the most releases of out of any that, artist. I think that it's, checks it's somewhere around sixty or sixty-five albums. I think. Yeah, I've heard. I've I've heard "Try Repete" for sure. I heard nice. that uh, that uh, the what's it, the Glasgow Art School. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That that was fantastic. Um, and I heard. I think I heard "Sign." So like, not not a lot. Okay. Nice. Um, but oh, I, I've loved everything LP5. I've heard. You've got so much to look forward to. <laughs> oh wait, no, no, sorry, I, I didn't hear LP five, but I listened to uh, to draft seven thirty as well. Oh, uh, oh, nice. That's a re- that's a really good one. Okay, yeah. awesome. So, what was your experience kind of going into into this project? Obviously, I assume you didn't listen to the whole uh, seven albums, but did you, <laughs> no, no, I just listened did you get a to, chance to spend to long London with B. B. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I thought this was really good i think it took a a little bit to to start to get into it for me Mm -hmm. um but once i started like thinking of it like i i went into it and my brain immediately goes album you know um yeah so when i started to process it more as okay this is a live performance it started to make more sense (laughs) um and i started to really like it got so much more engaging and and kind of mind blowing a lot of the time. Um, just the idea of like arranging and composing this on the spot is it's yeah. it's alien to me, you know. Um, and the the soundscapes and like the textural ideas on display from like front to back here are insane. <laughs> um, yeah, it also makes it really hard to talk about as it is just sort of 
it's just you know, 60 it's minutes. Like, it's just it's like, like we have a track list to go with. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I think it does have like a really nice natural progression where like, yeah, the ending could only have happened with everything that comes before it. Um, and I think it works so well as a, or I think it's so impressive and so wild as a live thing for that to feel so structured as one piece. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, so I've sort of, I, I've, I've been really interested to see what the kind of, as you say, the album experience was for you, because this is part of the reason I wanted to talk about this so much is because I got to see, uh, not this one live. So I got to see London A live uh, and I know Evan did as well. And the live experience is so unique uh, that it kind of can't be rep- like It's just impossible to replicate that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, at the computers. So if I saw them twice last year, so I saw them at uh, Barcelona at Primavera Sound, um, which was again quite a, quite a different one to the London experience. So yeah, because that was a, a festival. So that that one didn't make it onto the onto the uh, the live album, but because it was a um, festival. I think a lot of people there didn't know what they were getting in for. Um, yeah. So there was one, there were like two main stages at Primavera Sound on, on opposite sides. And there were like a handful of smaller stages around each one. Uh, and then there was one stage that was like an indoor stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to get in for Orteca, you had to queue for the indoor stage. But because it's Primavera Sound, the queues are all like four hours long. Yeah. Because it's very limited how many people they'll let in. And I think once the performance started, they wouldn't let anyone anyone else in. So um, because a lot of people were just like, that sounds cool. I guess I'll give them a go and just queue and see where I end up. It meant that like a lot of people heard it and were like, oh, I guess I'm leaving now because this is too weird for me. And so by the end of the performance, basically the, the room was like half full. <laughs> like oh, it, started wow. off, it started off absolutely packed and it was like closer to being empty by the time it finished. <laughs> um, and then obviously the London performance, uh, so this was at the Barbican in London, uh, was a very different vibe because obviously people were, were there for this performance. So mm-hmm. it was uh, it was just absolutely jam- jam-packed the entire way around. Uh, the other thing that makes the, I don't know if you know this, the, the other um, thing that makes the live performances from Orteca so interesting is that they are performed in complete pitch black. Um, oh, so, wow. So they turn off the lights and the phones are not allowed and uh, you just sort of sit in the dark and listen to this. And as, as uh, Rob and Sean come on stage, you see like uh, these two sort of silhouettes appear in the distance and then they go to their little computers they go, go to their <laughs> euro racks or whatever they're whatever they're using um and and start performing uh but it means that you like you can't for, the, for one thing the logistical sides are like you can't leave um yeah in fact, there's a there's a really uh, i can't the only place i've seen it online was on the twitter account of um deep cuts Mr. Deep Cuts, what's his name? Uh, Oliver, Oliver yeah. Deep Cuts. Uh, he yeah. posted. And if you go back to his uh, his post from November last year, he he posted the uh, the like flyer that was put out on the chairs. There was a flyer explaining how the performance would work and how it was going to be pitch black. Um, but also that pitch black experience sort of gives it a, like weird spiritual energy to it. No, uh, totally. That was that was super cool. So you don't even need to shut your shut your eyes to appreciate the. Uh, the performance in that way. It's just, you're just enveloped in this music. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a, a really, really cool performance to see live. And sort of one of my highlights of, of, uh, of performances, maybe ever, but certainly last year. 
Damn. I guess not see live. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't get to yeah experience live. You definitely yeah. don't get to see much of it. <laughs> that sounds a lot like, uh, like when I saw Colin Stetson a couple months back. That was it's it's very similar, like no lights. Um, and then there were uh, there were some visuals for some of the pieces, but for a lot of it, he was like, I would rather just do this in the pitch black. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, I guess as for like like parts that stood out to me it, again, like you were saying, it's hard to like really talk about the content of it all that much because unless i'm giving like actual time stamps and you're going and checking like there's not (laughs) you're just gonna have to take my word for it (laughs) um but uh there was a really wild part around like i think it was like 23 minutes it's got this really like bassy mix and a kind of like funky groove (laughs) um (laughs) and i was i wrote down that like i wonder what the crowd even looks like at a show like this and i guess you already (laughs) kind of explained it do you just kind of stand there does anyone move like like Uh, when a groove like this comes in what do you do yes it was all i mean the live show was all sat down as well so uh oh okay yeah which which obviously limits the apartment but yeah i mean it's like some of it is weirdly danceable and you just kind of have to vibe out to wherever you are uh yeah there wasn't there wasn't uh any like I I mean to be fair, there would have been an ironic circle pit at one of the London shows. I feel like um, yeah, <laughs> circle pit in the dark actually sounds kind of good. Um, yeah, so I I, I sort of the, those those more um, groovy elements to the performance I found really interesting because it's also not something they've explored as much in their in their um, uh, what, what's the right term for this like recorded material like um, yeah. LPs. Uh, you know, they, they, they've explored all sorts of weird and wacky sound textures in really interesting ways, but actually they sort of almost lean into IDM as a dance genre. Is IDM. Not something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We, they, they, they've always focused so much on the eye that actually seeing them lean into the, the, the D side of things is really interesting. Um, and so I really enjoyed as well. Um, so I think the, yeah. the other, there's, there's almost like, hip hoppy kind of uh vibes to some of the moments. No, I totally I, I wrote that as well. Nice. Yeah. Um yeah, I guess like turntablism is probably the, the correct term for it. Um which obviously is a is a key component of lots of other genres. But it's a it's a really interesting uh sort of part of the live performance. Mm-hmm. Um that I think is not something that is it's just so hard to replicate that on say uh you know an album like draft where you're very much bound by the computer um doing that in a live setting really adds a lot to it i'm always very much bound (laughs) Um, (laughs) very good very good um yeah no especially with that that turntablism stuff you were talking about to the last 10 minutes is just wild um for that for the most part like it's it seems like it's taking all of the stuff that the the previous 50 minutes were um and just like chopping it up um, on a <laughs> on a turntable, um, and then it gets kind of eaten. Um, mm-hmm. It like yeah, yeah, yeah. devolves into this very very clear bass melody. Like it's the it's the one like clear melody I can think of on the whole thing. Um, and then just what sounds like a rubber ball being dropped <laughs> over and over. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I thought the ending especially made this whole thing like 
even more impressive the way that they they culminate everything on the spot to to something so big mm. yeah um so i was really happy to hear that on this version of it because uh i thought the ending especially the ending movements to this were something that were done better here than on london one uh, mm. or london a so um Obviously, I heard the A performance and then didn't stick around for the B performance because I foolishly thought that they'd be the same. So I was like, I don't need two tickets to see this. Uh, but um, yeah, it's really interesting to see how the, the the sound has evolved between the two performances, even though there was there was basically like two hours in between them being done. Um, yeah. And they're both exploring really, really interesting sounds, but something about... It almost feels like they've warmed up by the time they get to B. And, uh, you know, there's still the warm-up phase where they, where they sort of, you know, bring you into the sounds. But, like, in terms of their performance capabilities, feels like London A was, like, the, the, the rehearsal and then London B is them going all out. Mm. Um, but, obviously, that is quite a big ask to go and listen to all that stuff because there's a lot of albums here. Um, I have only heard four of these so far. I haven't heard Milan, Athens, uh, Bergen, or Chirin. Oh, no, I'm missing one. I, so I haven't heard three. I have heard uh, Bergen. Um, so yeah, there's a lot more stuff to, to sort of break apart here. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a real, it's a real treat that we get so much of this. So much of this. I'm looking at their live album section right now, and holy, <laughs> there's yeah, a couple. There's um, a, and they all have the same album covers. <laughs> yeah, they're not super easy to to differentiate. Um, on purpose, I assume. Like I can't I can't imagine yes. that's anything but a I dropped something. Anything but an intentional <laughs> choice. Yeah, that that is for sure. Um I would say out of the others, I mean London B is probably the my favorite one I've heard out of all of them, but um I can highly recommend uh the Dublin performance if you want to listen to some of the older live live material and see how it's changed. You could probably get away with just going Dublin and then um I think the Oh, I'm going to absolutely butcher this. Uh, <laughs> Nijmegen? I don't even know what this is. I know, I, I know what you're talking about. I can see it. N- yeah. N-I-J-M-E-G-E-N. I don't know how yeah. you pronounce that. It's, uh, it's, in, it's in the Netherlands. Um, that one from one of the later ones. And then I think probably uh, London B is a, is a pretty good sort of path through their, their live experiences. Or just go, just go see them live. Oh, you probably missed your yeah. chance there. See them live in yeah. like three or four years. <laughs> if they ever come back to... I see a Montreal one. So if they ever do that again. <laughs> yeah, they do a lot of European shows. Um, yeah. Which is fair enough because uh, I think they are local to Bristol. I think Sean is local to Bristol, which is nice. It's nice to support our, uh, our hometown heroes. <laughs> Um, cool. Uh, on that note, if there's anything you want to add, we can. But uh, I think I'm good. Move on to the next one. Yeah, I'm excited to move on to the next one. Mm. Um, so I I want to talk about the new Bluthouse Nord album, Disharmonium Nahab. Um, so, despite not having like done the full discography dive or anything like that, I wouldn't. I don't think I would hesitate to call Bluthouse Nord my favorite black metal band. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the consistency with which they've been putting out just phenomenal material over such a long career. Um, and the fact that I'm still like so consistently blown away by all the new directions they take every single time. It's, it's amazing. Um, their album, the work which transforms God is probably my favorite black metal album ever. I just love the, 
how industrial and like shoegazy that record is in a way mm-hmm. that I've never really heard from any other album. Um, and so, and, and last year's previous installa- installment in the Disharmonium tri- trilogy, uh, Undreamable Abysses was one of my like top records of last year. So this, all that said, this was one of my most anticipated records in general this year. And it, completely lives up to it um Mm -hmm. i think this is just as good as if not maybe better than the last record uh Um, so i i i've not heard as much uh blue as nord as you uh, it would seem um and i think i need to go back and explore those older albums because i never had a so the, the first one i heard was uh hallucinogen and i didn't love it it's grown on like i i don't i'm not a big fan of it now even and it's grown on me um and um then i listened to the first disharmonium which i did really like so but like i've just not heard a lot of that older stuff and i think i probably need it to fully appreciate the sort of journey they've taken and the progression um that being said, I think this is a really, really cool release. Uh, again, in a, in a year of sort of stacked black metal release, uh, stacked metal and black metal releases, um, I think black this is metal doing, especially, yeah, yeah. I think this is doing a lot different to sort of set itself apart and stand out. Um, and I think it is a really, really impressive project. I think it's a really cool uh, progression from the last Disharmonium as well, which mm-hmm. you know when you're doing sort of multi-part albums i think can be really really difficult um yeah it's it's just a really it, it sort of strikes me as like deeply cursed when i listen to it uh in a, no, in a for good, sure in a good way um so yeah how did you sort of feel about the 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 kind of sounds that they were going for here um especially well, when it comes to cur- cursed music yeah well yeah so like I, I everything that i loved about the the previous record is is still here in full force um i really love this current strand of like particularly lovecraftian black metal that the band has been going on for the past two records um it's it feels like it's like calling to me like a siren song um with like all these like bloodborne type aesthetics and like completely like incomprehensible instrumentation like it, you listen to this and it's like yeah 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 in my mind like in my brain i know that this is probably a guitar but like this is not a guitar like this is not a guitar um uh yeah there and these records are like so sonically dense and like winding and like just mad like <laughs> like it, it just feels like going insane in musical form um yeah 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 i, I think about like <laughs> i remember when i listened to the the previous record um in this series I, I was just imagining like, you know, those grunts in Bloodborne that are like, away, away. This is probably what's playing in their heads at all times. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the Bloodborne um, thing is a really interesting uh, comparison. and I think it, it fits really well. Um, well, yeah, because it it's not even like it's not just like I would call it Bloodborne metal, but it's not just like you would say that and think it's like inspired by the same things or whatever. This sounds like it was performed within the canon of Bloodborne. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. So on previous episodes, we've talked about um, this idea of like, I don't know how to describe this, like mystical music. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's not the right term. The, the idea for me is that like, 
music that sort of subconsciously bridges the gap between like like you can't imagine a reality real band and a fiction. It. Yeah, yeah. So I get that. Way. An example I find um, that sort of works is um, Eve's Tumor, where like. When I hear an Eve's Tumor album, I cannot imagine it being performed by real human beings. Yeah. Uh, and like, I just can't, like, to see a live album, to, to see a live performance would totally break the illusion for me, so I can never see them live. Uh, <laughs> and I think the same kind of goes for this album in particular. It's sort of, it's so dark and mysterious that, like, I think seeing them perform, I think, would just totally ruin it for me. I love the fact <laughs> that it's like, uh, there's this kind of fantastical element about it. I have um, good news for you. They don't perform. <laughs> nah, let's go. Uh, <laughs> no, wait. I mean, no. Uh, I mean, they're obviously doing pretty well for themselves if they can carry on this long without, uh, without you know, relying on live shows. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Uh, besides, like, comparisons I was making to their previous record, though, um, there are definitely, like you were saying, a few things that help this stand out as like a clear evolution of the formula rather than just like a reiteration of it. Um, yes. One of the most obvious factors there for me is the pretty prominent use of clean vocals um, as much as or maybe even more than harsh ones. Um, <clears throat> this record has a really like like humanistic quality to the voices on this record while still maintaining that kind of like swirling cacophony in the mix where it, it sounds like just about anything could be a vocal. Mm -hmm. Um, but when it is clearly a vocal, um, I think that gives it a very distinct character within this trilogy. And it fits with even just the album cover where you've got these far more humanoid figures than the monstrous, whatever it was on the previous album cover. Um, yeah, I need to I need to flick it up really quickly to look at it. Um, yeah, that's really yeah, 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 yeah. I see exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think the other the other factor that really makes this record stand out, uh, probably above the previous one to me, is just how like winding and technical it is. Um, there's a lot of moments on this record that even bring to mind records like fucking uh, Gorgut's Obscura. Um, right, yeah, yeah which yeah. is never going to be anything but like blinding praise, po <laughs> the most blinding praise possible. <laughs> um, there's like the sharp guitar melodies are really are still incredibly present from mm -hmm. the last one, um, but they're a lot more dissonant and unwieldy than they were before. Um, again, when you can even pick out the fact that it is a guitar. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really, really love the uh, the instrumentation on this and the, the just the production in general. Like, it's it's something that is so hard to do bad. Sorry, it's so easy to do badly. It's so hard to get right. Yeah, and um, yeah, it, it's done pretty pretty perfectly here, uh, which I think is probably a, just the result of been sort of doing this for so long uh, and having so much experience with this kind of production uh, that it, it never sort of comes across as uh, cliche or. Um, you know, sort of trite. Uh, well, it's always so, like really interesting. So that's, uh, it's interesting that you say that it like, it sounds like it comes from a lot of experience with this soundscape because Disharmonium is their first record that sounded like this. Right. That's interesting. Like they, they had not like the work with, tra which transforms God is from what I've heard, definitely the closest, but that mm -hmm. was 2003. Like that was a long time ago. Um, and even then it sounded more like, like I would almost go so far as to say like black metal, like throbbing gristle, like, right, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like it's, they, they have such a variety of sounds throughout their career that it's like, 
it's wild that I feel like every time they do something like this, it's at least great. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, um, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, I also think the song structures are are tighter in a lot of respects than the previous record to me. Um, and that's not even a diss on the, on the last one. The, the last one felt like it was very much cultivating this vibe. Like it was like introducing the horror and it was perfect at that, but I can't really like the songs themselves didn't stand out that much amongst each other, which was Mm -hmm. totally fine for that. But in a sequel, um, I'm glad that we're getting a lot more defined moments, um, on here be it the 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 super like strange and unnerving vocal effects on the black vortex um mm-hmm. the crazy technicality and like the final resolution on queen of the dead dimension which is my favorite track um or like the ultimate void of chaos um seems to like dissolve into the fa- the final track um yeah there's not i don't I can't think of any like any any criticisms I have of like the song structuring here, which is is great because that's usually like when I have issues with a black metal record, that's usually it. Um, it's, yeah. it's do these work as songs? <laughs> um, well, so I I think part of that for me as well is also um, so the the to me the reason that stands out as such a positive thing is uh, the inclusion of in particular Hideous Dream Opus 2 and Hideous Dream Opus yeah. 3. I was um, about to shout those out too, yeah. Yeah, it's like they're, they're almost nothing tracks and yet I think they're so important on this album because they allow um, the breathing room you need to then make those other tracks stand out. So like, if you go Endless Multitude into Crowning Horror, I just don't think it works as well. But No, yeah. Uh, opus number two in the middle I think it's it's so much more impactful and the same goes for the the nameless rights into ultimate void of chaos uh, run it's like that's like my favorite nameless rights opus three void of chaos that's like my favorite run in the entire album um, it's so 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 good and yeah yet, you know it just doesn't work without that minute of like something else uh, yeah, yeah I it's- was really really impressed by that it's interesting that you shout that out too, because, um, and yeah, the fact that you call them almost nothing tracks because they did the same thing on my favorite work, which transforms God. Right. Um, and they're like even more nothing, like they're barely, there's barely even sound. Um, but I think they're, it's so necessary on that record, mm-hmm. um, to have those, those little gaps that define, that define what section of the record you're in. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. They they don't feel superfluous at all. It's superfluous at all on this record, um, and I think they also add to the fact that this is like a far more humanistic record. Like, there's more. There, you can tell that they were trying to make something. I don't want to say more accessible, but you know what I mean. Like, it's it's more. Maybe I don't know what I mean. Never mind. <laughs> oh, no, I think I, I think I think you're onto something. I, I'd say it's like almost less abrasive. Um, as yeah, in, it, musically music it's less abrasive. Excessive, but yeah, the experience of listening to it isn't. Yeah. Um, but yes, I that that's uh, talking about music is hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially music that is intentionally not like this. This is very much not music that is made to dissect. I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um yeah, at the end of the day, I don't even I don't really think I have any complaints with this record. I am I wasn't sure at first, um like even just earlier today, but listening to it one more time today and writing my notes and and talking about it today, I 
I think I can pretty roundly proclaim that I like this more than the last one. Um, and it kind of has the potential to usurp their, their other record as like my favorite black metal record. I am, I am blown away with this. Um, it has everything. The soundscapes are denser. The songs are more solid and it just retains everything I could have really wanted to carry over and more. Um, this is definitely an album of the year contender for me. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think this is um, when I have no complaints with, I also have no complaints with this album. And I think at that point, it's just like, I just need to have the chance to let it digest uh, yeah. before I can really sort of judge it against the pantheon of great metal releases. Like, uh, yeah. the reason the reason an album like Obscura is so important to me is because I've had so long to digest every single riff on the album. Uh, yeah. and so I just I just know it so like completely. Um, and yeah, just you know, it's it's nice to uh, to have music like this to be like, well, you know, I've got like a, a nice comfort pick to go back to when I want to just chill out and and, and really soak, <laughs> having soak Obscura in as your comfort pick. Uh, is well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that says a lot about me, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> Amazing. Uh, awesome. Well, in which case, uh, let's go to another uh, weird album. Um, oh, yeah. Let's talk about the artist Mio Miriarama uh, and the new album Iris. So Mio Miriarama is a alias of uh, another modulation podcast classic. Uh, one of my favorite bands ever. Uh, sorry, favorite artist ever is um, Devin Smith. Uh, who has mostly sort of focused on the alias Coin Locker Kid up until uh, 2019 and then was releasing music as Say Lucky and Come Look With Me. I think a lot of those that those projects were kind of laid to rest last year uh, from my understanding. And so Mia Miriarama is the, the sort of next evolution of, uh, of this, this, uh, this project. Um, we had some demos uh, we had a couple of singles in 2021. We had a demos project in 2022, which I really liked. Flew totally under the radar, but I thought it was great. And then the uh, Party Gator Resurrection single that we talked about last episode, I feel like. Um, uh, two episodes. Two, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, which was the James Acaster Temps project. Uh, he, he featured on that. Um, and here we are. We are we are here with the first full-length project. Um I've probably been trying to get you to listen to uh, Coin Locker Kid for a long time uh, in the um, Gelly Bellies I Discord. I don't think but, so. Uh, I think maybe I've been yelling at Ludens to, to listen to it. Cause I was probably. Like, you, you, like, you like with music. You'll probably like this. Uh, had, you, had you listened to any of the, the Coin Locker Kid stuff before? Or is Very kind of long time ago, I listened to uh, the, the Salmon of Doubt. Um, oh, that was nice. before I even had Rate Your Music. <laughs> like That was a long time ago. Um and that's it. <laughs> I still have not, I still haven't gotten to uh, any of the Sela Key stuff, um, which I know that's a, that's a U classic in particular. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I didn't even know until today either that this was the same guy. Um, right. Yeah. 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 It's, no, um, I, it's a pretty deep one. There's a lot to keep track of. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't have a, like a, a ton, ton to say about this, not like the last record or the, the next one we're going to talk about, uh, but it is some of the most like, it's, it's insane. Um, it's some of the most like experimental and out there hip hop I've heard in a very long time. Um, not all of it works for me. Some of it I do find a little grating, but 
it's like it's nothing if not innovative and i respect this album a shit ton <laughs> yeah i am um, i was just excited to see how the sort of more electronic aspects uh, came into things it's been a while i think since um devon's released like a more on the nose hip hop project because the sailor key radio dramas are like really out there. Um, yeah. Which by the way, if, if you're listening to this and you've never heard metamorph by sailor key, please go listen to metamorph by sailor key. Uh, it's, it's the best. If you're on this podcast and have not heard <laughs> metamorph by sailor key. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, uh, again, it's, it's difficult because, um, so what I like about this is it's a really great entry point to just like go and listen to some really weird experimental hip hop. Um, whereas, the there was sort of a, a burden to listening to an album like Metamorph where you kind of need well obviously you need to go and listen to Super Flat and then you well, while you're at it you should probably go and listen to like the entire Come Look With Me discography and actually <laughs> the Sailor Key Monica has like five good albums so listen to all oh and then you finally got to the end of it maybe you can listen to to Metamorph or um or Disclosure which it, there was just so much to listen to by the end because it was all. It was telling stories within a universe that was all connected. And so the more you listened, the more you could appreciate uh, what was going on. Whereas this is just like, I don't know if it's tied in. I've not, I've not gone that deep into the lyrics, um, but uh, this is much more by the numbers, uh, enjoyable just for the, just, just, just for, for sort of the production. Um, and you know, I guess, I guess you probably experienced this, but yeah, the production is like really out there. Um, oh yeah. There are absolutely no punches pulled. It's uh, it's just like really, really interesting hip hop in a way that I had never heard before. I, I've never heard hip hop done in this way where it's sort of influenced by, I mean, hip hop influenced by Deconstructed Club. Just, just yeah. starting off with, I think is pretty unusual, but then uh, leaning into sound collage, some kind of noise stuff through uh, industrial music, I think is is a really interesting way of sort of exploring that a bit further. Yeah, I and and even in the more like hip hop, uh, like staying within hip hop, there's a lot of different influences too. Um, the the obvious comparison that I think a lot of people are and will be making is to uh, JPEG Mafia's Veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm definitely hearing some other stuff too. Like the the first track is so clearly an homage at first to uh, Lord of the Game off X Military. Right. Um, Southbound, which is is my favorite track, I think, um, ends with an interpolation of Gwen Stefani's Hollaback Girl, which is <laughs> which is just about the most JPEG Mafia thing someone could do. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's kind of no. I mean, he he really loves uh, J- JPEG Mafia. Really loves injecting sort of cheesy pop songs. Into the, yeah, into, into the end of things. Um, but I, I think all the, like those comparisons do kind of serve to distract from where the, where the record gets its points for me. And that is the production. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's incredible most of the time, at least for me, uh, the, the shit happening here is it's, it's one of a kind. Um, and again, finding out today that it's coin locker kid explains a lot. Um, uh, (laughs) fantasy world. I want to shout out as one of the most insanely produced tracks I've ever heard, maybe (laughs) Um, with just like the ridiculous bit crushing, the like vapor esque twisting and exploitation of video game samples Um, Mm. and just so much excess stuff. Yeah, you know, there's just there's so much stuff in this production. Yeah, Um, Yeah, yeah, it's it's like kind of impossible to maintain like a grasp on it. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, you know, it, obviously, I, I, I don't always like to compare artists because, um, you know, there's, there's, there's always, it's impossible to, but like for the sake of comparing, just, just to sort of get the impression across to a, to a new listener, why they, why they might want to check this out. Mm. Um, yeah, I think as well as the, the JP Mafia stuff, uh, I think it also feels very, um, Destiny Shroud to me, uh, where true it's got this like super progressive approach to production uh but then taking a completely different direction go like um you know loads and loads of sampling and loads of like innovative um innovative effects and then being like well you know but actually it's a hip-hop record so we're going to do that as well and and bring that together Um, and yeah fantasy world has some like crazy crazy production it's my favorite uh track on the album mostly just because of how long it is and that i say would would be the the one thing i just i want to see so badly uh from the mia mirama project is i want to see longer please give me more Please, please give me like a super dense release um yeah the the thing i love most about the coin locker kid project is just how willing to like drag out the ideas they are um so I'd need to look up the exact numbers, which I'm which I'm doing as I speak. Uh, yeah, Hellstorm and Maelstrom is like a full hour, and then uh, Empathica is an hour. Yeah, just just over an hour as well. And I think by going out to the full hour on those projects, he's able to really explore uh, ideas fully. Um, you know, within a track like. If, if you listen to one uh, track, don't listen, don't, don't make it this one, but the, uh, the track on Empathica called uh, O Perispamanon is six, 16 minutes long. And it's, I think it's mostly just two people talking for like a significant uh, portion of it. And it's some of the best stuff he's ever done uh, because yeah. you could just explore so much with it. Like it never gets boring and he's, he's got such a knack for keeping things interesting over long periods of time. And then to see such like, you know, to, to sort of go down the route of like two minute, bangers on this album is great but it's also not what i want from it i sort of want yes. i sort of want it to drag on a bit and explore those uh, those ideas a little bit more yeah i um, think i agree with you there for sure um there was something about the br- like usually briefness is a positive for me almost every time yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but i do think this like it was almost too you know it was it was almost too much too much briefness. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I think the vocals are great for the most part um, mm-hmm. as well. I don't have too much to say about the lyrics, so I would be interested to hear if you have any insight there. Um, I uh, no, I, I didn't really get a chance to dive uh, into yeah. it that much. Yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a bit of a shallow listener in general when I'm just sort of chilling out and checking out yeah. albums. But um you know, I tried to go deeper for, for some of the podcast I'll be, I didn't get a huge amount of time for that uh, on this one, um, yeah. which I'm really interested to because a part of me hopes that it's like all tied to this great narrative concept. Um, <laughs> and then I can really enjoy that, that side of things. I haven't seen anything about that being the, the case, but. Yeah. Well, how um, is, how is the, how have the previous aliases been on the lyrical front? Um, uh, just so because they tend to be my favorite, projects tend to be very spoken word and like yeah like radio drama it's basically all lyrical content but it's 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 very it's all um all about the writing but the writing is done what i love about this project so much is that they're so human so i hear a you know a folk song with beautiful writing like let's say uh 
Joanna Newsom, right, is, is an artist I love, like, I absolutely love the writing of. Mm. And that is so abstract and beautiful and, and spectacular that it's like, I love it for a different reason to the reason I would love something like this. Whereas I think the, um, in particular, the, sorry, I've got too many tabs and, and thoughts open at one time. Um, the Say Lucky and Come Look With Me albums are so raw and down to earth that the writing affects me more personally. Um, it's 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 very hard to describe without going out and no, and, but I, and I get it. Listen, but like, it's like yeah, it's very hard hitting uh, content. And I almost guess, in the same way that a, another record we're going to talk about today. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, we I think we could probably close out on this one and, and use that as a good segue if you want. Um, uh, my only other thoughts on this are: it's great. Please please listen to it. Um, yeah, my only this, uh, this one has done pretty well, to be fair. Yeah, no, it, it seems to be doing well. My only my only real like negative that I have like an actual negative and I don't I, I hate to end on a negative. We can keep talking about it to go back okay, to okay. positive. <laughs> um, but I, I I found the I just didn't like the auto tune on new to me. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Um, it's not even that I found it like partic- particularly like tasteless or anything, but I also just didn't find it particularly tasteful. Like it, it, it was just kind of a shrug for me. Um, and I feel like the whole point of having one song where you're using auto tune is to make it stand out. So yeah. for me, the fact that it didn't stand out was a pretty big blow <laughs> against it. Um, yeah, I, I think that's fair. And that, I didn't really pick up on that as much, but then also I think like, I would say that it was probably the least impactful. Like I didn't, it didn't strike me as like noteworthy, but then also, yeah, it's clearly the, the least uh, interesting lyrical moments or like vocal performance moments on the album. Um, that's definitely the only like definitive negative I have on this record for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah that's fair. Um, which to spin that into a positive, I think the uh, vocal performance on the rest of the album is like spectacular for sure. Um, and it has this, uh, you know, I think the sort of using JPEG mafia as a point of reference uh, is reasonable because he has a, he, he's one of the only ever artists I've heard that like has such a commanding presence when he's singing, um, both, both rapping and singing on his latest stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I really felt that here as well. Like I, I, I find this really captivating. I would compare him more to Danny Brown a lot of the time, honestly here. Yeah. 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 Um, that's, that's really interesting. Especially early on, um, on like the first two tracks, I, I hear a lot of the same kind of in, not necessarily like vocal inflections, but the same, like, uh, just like the same tendencies towards types of flows and that kind of thing. Um, and little vocal flares, there's little vocal flares that are very Danny Brown that I caught a couple times on, on this mm-hmm. record too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. All right. Awesome. Let's do it. Let's move on to the final, uh, final album of the episode. All right. I'm excited. Um, we'll do uh hang on <laughs> all right <laughs> i'm excited to talk about the new spanish love songs album no joy um i'm very glad we're getting to talk about this i wouldn't have really guessed that uh that you would have enjoyed this as much as as i have a feeling you did um <laughs> uh enough to actually 
be the one to suggest we do this one. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm ecstatic because uh, Spanish Love Songs is one of my favorite bands in this modern era of like millennial emo and pop punk right. alongside like the Wonder Years and another artist we're almost certainly going to talk about next time. Um, yeah. What it, I think, I think if I'll just dive in a little bit, uh, I think this but record yeah, is. I think this record is so incredible, though, because while it does kind of com- almost completely abandon punk in favor of more like accessible and almost played out styles of rock, the effect somehow manages to enhance both parts of that equation. Um, mm-hmm. The shift from like brand new to Bruce Springsteen or from like Under Oath to U2, um, it actually serves to bring out what always made Spanish love songs a special group. And that's the crazy tight songwriting, the phenomenal hooks, the unmistakable vocal presence, and most importantly, the really visceral and heart crushing lyrics and themes. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, what, uh, what, what, what did you think going into this and what do you think coming out of it? Uh, So, I mean, for for reference, I, I'm a massive uh, Midwest emo fan, and this isn't Midwest emo. Let's let's you know we can get that straight. But like, yeah. it's clearly inspired by a lot of that music that I assume the band grew up with in the in the sort of early two thousands, uh, late two thousands. Um, so I I love I love that kind of music. I love uh, angsty music that like. I probably would have been way more into when I was a teenager, and I'm maybe yeah. a tiny bit old for. But like, you know, I, I really, I really enjoy albums like that. And so, um, I've always been pretty positive on this project. Um, obviously, they've not released that many albums. Um, I really like Schmaltz. I thought that was a yeah. great album. I really like Brave Faces. Everyone. Um, I thought it was uh, pretty good. Not as good as Schmaltz, but like I kind of like the direction it was going. Um, and then I think this one kind of blows both of those out of the water in terms of, um, in terms of the, the concept and the production and the songwriting and the performances. I think almost everything about this is just fantastic. It's such an enjoyable and fun listen, but it's like fun in a, I feel bad kind of way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like this sucks. This sucks for everyone who isn't me, who is enjoying this. (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah it's um it's the sort of thing i would have been absolutely obsessed with uh if i was 15 and (laughs) but but even as a you know i'm 29 and i still found so much to love about this this project and this album in particular um so yeah i I thought it was really great um they're sort of they're pretty they're rising up my list of bands i need to see live quite rapidly yeah, uh, hope, I might hopefully. get to see them live in November. Um, oh, awesome. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful. Yeah. I don't know if they play Europe very often. Uh, yeah. I sure hope so, because uh, I think they're, they're really, really great. Oh, here we go. So, I, you know, I like to Google things as I'm talking about them. <laughs> uh, two days ago, Spanish Love Songs UK tour. Let's go. They're playing Bristol in January. Right. Let's get some tickets. <laughs> 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 All right. Yeah, no. So on the on the topic of like the the sound change because uh because this is a pretty big sonic shift for them um my partner and one of my friends both called this uh spanish love songs take on the killers um right yeah and, yeah, yeah. and to a minor degree i do get it um 
But like I mentioned earlier, this is far more of a tribute to me, at least to the uh, like the golden era of Bruce Springsteen's career in like the mid to late 70s. Um, I'm really glad I, I was able to get you to give Nebraska a listen a couple weeks back because I, I do think <laughs> yeah. that is his best record. Um, but that's not actually his regular sound um, as opposed to like his bigger releases like Born to Run or Born yeah. in the USA. Um, on those records and here on this Spanish love songs record, uh, we get this like very large grandiose, grandiose sound with a bunch of like synths, overdriven guitar chords, um, a super prominent four on the floor drums. Um, it's all like, it's massive and anthemic, but I think what made those classic records so powerful. And I think the lesson that this album studied so carefully, um, it's ensuring that there's a clear personality behind it. Um, Mm -hmm. this music isn't big for the sake of just for the sake of it, or just to like sound good in a stadium or pump people up on the radio. Um, like this music is big because it's standing for something, you know? Yeah, it feels like a very worthy uh, band um, in sort of the age of um, industry plants and uh, just, I don't know, TikTok music is what I'm going to call it. Um, I, I, I love hearing uh, bands that have something more interesting that they are writing about. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that is something that shows up in emo a lot, um, but also uh, a lot of modern takes on indie rock are really exploring um vocals uh and writing as a sort of more meaningful act as opposed to a radio play kind of thing and it's something i've really liked about this band since i first listened to them is that i think they've always done a really really good job of that compared to sort of some of their some of their more modern contemporaries who i, I find kind of insufferable mm-hmm. yeah so i guess on the topic of just like you know what they're talking about on this record i mean Emo music is no stranger to like depression and suicide and other themes of like general self-loathing. Um, mm-hmm. And in the earlier days of this band, they were kind of no different. Um, but I think the biggest part of what makes this massive sonic shift so powerful here is that it parallels an equally important thematic shift for the band as well, because yes, it is for sure still an album about depression, sadness, suicide, death, that and uh, that kind of thing. But instead of self-loathing, um, which is a topic, uh, in music that I do have a lot to say about, but I will Mm -hmm. save that for another time. Um, (laughs) instead, I I feel like this record tackles those topics from the outside. Um, it's a sad record, um, and even like a, a helpless record. Uh, but it's because instead of being a cry for help, I feel like it's a cry for someone else to accept your help. Right. Um, this is this is a record about letting the people in your life know that you care desperately for them um, mm-hmm. and hoping against hope that you can't that that can be enough to keep them. Um, the sonic shift to me feels like an act of passion as much as it is an act of desperation to try and reach the subjects of these songs. Yeah, that, I mean, I think that is a really, really nice way of summing it up. And like, I think that's, <laughs> this is this is the bit where I'm like, well, if I was 15, I would like be absolutely, <laughs> absolutely obsessed with this. But not, not, not to say that older people can't enjoy it, but like that, that was the time of my life where I was feeling that a lot. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I find it, to me, that comes across as quite a nostalgic feeling. And like the feeling of nostalgia is something I get a lot when I'm listening to this as a uh, slightly... Uh, 
As a boomer. As a, I am a millennial, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm the very last of the millennials, so uh, I'm sort of I'm just young enough to um, to have some uh, ability to relate to uh, you know stuff like this. Uh, I think if I was a few years older, I might have missed the boat. Um, <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, was also super impressed with the uh, the production and the instrumentation on this as well. Um, I think the band do a really great job of keeping the music really interesting and engaging throughout. Um, I especially liked the drum performance uh, on this album. Yeah, um, more so, more so than the other two. Uh, I think in the other two they were interesting, but didn't quite do it for me um whereas i think in this one when they're sort of leaning into the more uh i'm gonna call it heartland rock i'm not sure i think it's just like indie rock or like indie rock with pop elements um i think it i i think i think it borrows enough from some of the other bands that have come before um mm -hmm. who have sort of worked out how to make it sound really really engaging and then done their own spin on that taking in elements of emo in a way that kind of sells sells the music by itself like i think you could while the vocals are clearly the most important part of this band i think you you could get rid of them and it would still be really fun music um yeah and then the vocals on top of that really like sort of enhance the experience knowing that they've got a really good bass to fall back on yeah push it over the uh over the edge mm -hmm. yeah yeah so there were uh there were three times uh, listening to this record where I got uh, pretty emotional. <laughs> um, uh, the first time I listened to this record, I was working. I couldn't really like pay that much attention to the lyrics. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was I was doing my best and I, I really enjoyed and thought they were fantastic. Um, but then when I was listening again, uh, the song Middle of Nine came on. Yeah. Um, and it's just one of the most gut-wrenching de depictions of grief. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was not ready. <laughs> um, and it hooked me in so completely. Um, and then to have the track, I'm going to miss everything come just a couple tracks later. And to me, I don't know if, I don't know if you caught on to this. I, I've either a theory or maybe it's just actually what it's supposed to be to me that I'm going to miss everything feels like, the same exact story as is being told on uh on circ on middle of nine from the other perspective um right that's really interesting. where where middle of nine is um him grieving over his brother um i'm gonna miss everything seems to be the inverse where the, he's talking from the perspective of his brother um right. and then the uh the the flip of the the I might want to die lyric just cements it for me. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, that, that's also, really interesting. I need to I I need to listen to it again then with that perspective because um yeah I I struggled to so I I I I sort of caught that there were multiple perspectives on things but mm -hmm. um yeah I didn't I didn't quite pick up exactly whose perspective was whose at all points and so I think hearing it again with that focus might change some of the impact for me probably in a good way um yeah that's really interesting yeah um also uh the fact that a lot of the references there are to the fact that this is some sort of lung related issue uh hits a little too close to home right. um after the past couple of years we've had um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, it seems to be referencing more lung cancer than uh, than than COVID, but right. uh, not doesn't make it hit any less close to home. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, the uh, the second time I got a little choked up. Uh, I was re-listening to the first song on this Lifers, um, and even though I don't even I don't even have like a full grasp really of why it was so poignant to the uh, to the record. Um, just the image of that car crash at the end of the song and the line, I ask if you're okay with your head wide open, you smile for my benefit. Um, yes. Yeah. It yeah. was, it was, just, it's so vivid and personal. It's a um, phenomenal line. Um, yeah. And it's like, I think that as the opening song as an example of just how good the songwriting is going to be. Uh, no, for sure. It's, it's pretty incredible. It's a, it's a really powerful sort of uh, mission statement for the album. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, j- and the way that Dylan sings with just like everything he's got, um, like there are so many points on this record, including this one where he, he sounds like he's like about to cry himself. Like he's like, <laughs> he's going through, he's going through it. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just so much. Um, yeah. And then and finally there was, uh, there was just the moment at the end of Marvel, um, just about staying alive out of spite, which is, it's kind of a cliche or whatever, but he sells it, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's I the think, thing. I even it's like, okay to, it's okay to have cliches in the genre because no, yeah, it's all a bit cliche, but like, yeah, it's, it's fully like, I, I never felt at any point like the, uh, like the vocal performance wasn't selling. Uh, exactly. No, for sure. Yeah, they, they really sort of live it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any more, uh, um, I just want to say, I, I think uh, the closer to this is one of my favorite closers on a uh, album in this kind of genre uh, that I've heard. Yeah. Um, the uh, We're a Part of the Equation finisher outro, I think, is just uh, fantastic. It's such a nice way to, to end it. Um, yeah. And it's sort of, it feels like a very complete album to me. Like um, sometimes on some of these, there are things missing or it feel, feels like there are gaps in the in the sort of storytelling uh, and I, yeah, I i felt like going through this that they really sort of captured a whole a whole experience um with it not to say there aren't tracks that i didn't love as much but like i think that ender is is fantastic especially yeah sort of wrapping around with life as as the uh, as the start yeah well and i i also think the last song is is a perfect uh it's it's exactly what I'm talking about when I when I'm talking about like the potential power this genre can have when they like with this uh, with this genre change. Um, mm-hmm. I think the use of that that more big music sound, you know, the 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 giant synths, the the huge drums, um, very anthemic. Um, I think this this last song is the perfect example of why it works. Um, mm-hmm. and why it was just, it was the perfect choice for this band. Um, I, I hope to hear more like this. I want to shout out my favorite song though. Um, and it's the first single, like it's, it's intentionally the best song I think, but haunted is yeah maybe my favorite song of the year so far. Like it's, um, it's just like a perfect example of how fantastic the imagery and writing on this album is, uh, the scene of of sleeping with a window open to let the cold into your heart or the uh the another body in the McDonald's parking lot part um it's mm. it's all just flawless i also want to shout out i forget what uh what song this was on um but there was there was one part where he, he talks about the sky looking like a cracked phone screen um right that yeah, was yeah, that yeah. was good imagery too <laughs> uh 
yeah, no, I, I think this was just, it, it was the perfect choice for this band to go in this direction. I, I can't think of a way it could have gone better. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I was very, very pleased with this. It's something I'll be coming back to for a little while, which is really cool. Yeah. Fab. Well, that, that kind of takes us to the end. Um, yeah. Is there anything you're, you're excited for? Uh, I mean, so we're recording on the 2nd of September, which means the 1st of September releases <laughs> are out. Um, there's some pretty, it's pretty big releases. Some is pretty big ones. You're pretty my, my, excited for? <laughs> my boy, Jeff. Woo, he did it again. <laughs> um, he, he did do it again. Yeah, I am so excited to talk about Hell Mode. Um, I think yeah. it is, it is one of my favorite releases from him. Uh, uh, of all of them um the other yeah, big release appears to be uh the album by sprain uh the llama's effigy yeah i haven't uh, heard that one yet yeah you know you <laughs> sent me a uh i, I need yeah. I, 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 I need a lot of time with this like there's no way i can yeah. sink in um well it's a hundred minutes right or almost it's long and uh margin for error as a 25 minute track is 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 long but like for the most part, I'm pretty convinced. Like this, it could be could be album of the year for me. Um, All right, I've already I've already bought the shirt on Bandcamp. Let's put it that <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah, the other big release from yesterday. Um, I haven't heard it yet. The new Slow Dive. They they yes. came out with another album finally. Uh, um, I haven't heard it yet. I hope it's good. Yeah, I gave it a quick listen. Uh, I, I wasn't paying that much attention, but it seemed really good from, from what I was listening to. Nice. Um, Evan isn't here. This is the first uh, episode Evan's not been on, but if I don't shout out Cohen Sound's uh, album next week, <laughs> uh, led by Ancient Light, he'll probably be sad. So uh, shout out to Cohen Sound. We'll probably, we, that, that, that might be one. That's the sort of thing he's really into. Shout um, outs to Evan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rest of, he's, he's, not, he's not gone. He's coming back. Um, um, a few uh, more releases, uh, not from tomorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. not from yesterday uh i'm genuinely excited for the olivia rodrigo album you joked about it before we went on recording <laughs> but I, i'm actually like pretty excited to hear hear what it sounds like yeah um, i've heard the i've heard the single vampire i think that's the single I'm, i don't I'm listen so, to I'm singles so, so down with the kids uh vampire and bad idea right are the singles and i thought they were all right um, I'm a I'm a I'm a sour defender. So <laughs> I liked sour. I thought it was pretty decent. There's some some tracks on that I thought were really good. Uh, so oh, yeah, sh- I'll definitely this- be giving that a listen as well. Sorry, did this just get announced? There's a new Mitski album coming out. Uh, in two weeks. Let's let's have. <laughs> let's have <a> <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> there is a there is a new Mitski album coming out in two weeks, and I think by the time we record the next one, it'll probably be a three. It'll definitely so. be out. Yeah. So uh, yeah, new Mitski gets gets thrown into the mix as well. Um, there's always a new John John Zorn album, so we're just going to yeah. include that. Explosion in the sky might link. be fun. Yeah, there's lots lots of cool stuff coming out. Cryptopsy, are they? <laughs> it's, not, like, gonna uh, yeah. it's not gonna be good it's not gonna be good i've uh i remember hearing the unspoken king a while back and <laughs> just hating it uh so uh, i'll listen hey i'll listen to it i'll, uh, yeah. I'll probably also listen to it and <laughs> probably not enjoy it but no, there you go <laughs> uh, awesome well uh i guess that that's a good place to wrap up um so we have 
a Discord. Oh, this is the the, the big the big. So, um, uh, on like episode four or something, I I made a Discord channel to help myself uh, organize things, and I was like, hey, people can join this, and then I never promoted it again. Uh, <laughs> and actually, with the death of uh, with the death of Twitter as a social space, I want to be a part of, and Instagram being generally cringe, um, I was like, maybe we should just like start promoting the discord again uh so i'll probably do it at the start of the episode next time but we do have a discord if you've made it this far and um uh hopefully we'll maybe start growing that at some point it'd be a good place if we ever um you know had some sort of incentives uh then that would be a, a good place to start uh so yeah don't follow us on any other social media anymore because i hate nope. twitter uh but maybe maybe come chat to us at discord uh anything you want to say before we we sign off don't do drugs. Do, do, do lots of drugs. Uh, thanks yeah. for listening. <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>